It's been sleeping soundly for over a decade. Now, this unforgettable legend that was created by the gods is returning to once again change the face of mischief. Cinema presents. Who's a happy baby? The next generation of mischief. Mommy. You said mama. Well, can you say dad? Mother. <laughs> How are you and Alvy doing? Our son is bouncing off the walls. <laughs> from the director of Cats and Dogs. I am Loki, god of mischief. Give me my mask. I think my dog ate it. Shh. What's happening? One mask fits all. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. Honey, I think it's time we trade up. Alan Cumming. This is a fake. Yes, but it's a good fake. Ow. And introducing Otis as Otis the dog. Buckle up, baby. Son of the Mask. Hello and welcome to Unloved Sequels, the podcast that brings you a blow-by-blow critique of Hollywood's worst rated sequels. You know, the ones that some people think should never have been made. We're your hosts, Michael, say hello. Hello. And I'm Claire. In this episode, we're regretting a night of passion that resulted in a lifetime of being tormented by our offspring. Or maybe that's just me. Michael, we've included this in our month of superhero movies, even though it bears very little resemblance to its comic book source material. But it was nonetheless the follow-up to a huge original movie. So we're crowbarring it in regardless. What's the movie? Loki's Mask of Mischief finds itself in the hands of Tim Avery, a cartoonist from Fringe City, where he impregnates his wife while wearing the mask. Nine months later, they have a little trickster of their very own. This is the son of the mask, unfortunately. Yay! No, not yay. Why? 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 Tell us about the movie, Michael. Tell us about Son of the Mask. So, Son of the Mask opened on February the 11th, 2005 in United Kingdom, and then February the 18th, 2005 in the United States a week later. It made just under 60 million against a budget of 100 million. Massive box office bomb. Oh, what a stinker. You can imagine one of those those ginormous cartoonish bombs. (laughs) (laughs) Just for comparison, back in 1993, The Mask made 352 million against a budget of 18 million. So they got, they got things like the wrong way around here. You know, if it was maybe mm-hmm. the budget of 60 million made 100 million, it wouldn't be so bad. But mm, who assigned this budget to this movie? Like, who went, yes, let's spend 100 million on this movie when we only spent 18 on the last one? Where really? did 100? I mean, I know there's a lot of animation in this movie, but 100 million dollars. I tell you, where it went to that fucking creepy baby. 
that probably was a good 50 million <laughs> whack. Oh, made the Ali Back Mills oh. baby look normal. Honestly. <laughs> creepy. Creepy really baby. Creepy. Rotten Tomato score, 6% critics, 16% Ooh. audience. <laughs> what a kick in the nuts. What a kick in the nuts. That's, that is like being bitten in the balls by a dog. Ow. So, the top grossing movies of that year. Now, we've got to remember that this movie came out in February. So, a lot of these movies hadn't been released yet. But, mm. what a jam-packed year. We would have been aware these movies were coming out before their release date. So, I think people were yeah. anticipating these movies. And if you want to talk about family-orientated movies, oh, what a wham-packed punch of a year. So, top grossing movies of the year. Star Wars Episode Three. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Steven Spielberg's and Tom Cruise's War of the Worlds, The Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, Wedding Crashers with, oh, what are their bloody names? Um, Vince Vaughn and one of the the brothers. No, that's who not Mark. (laughs) Owen Wilson. It's either Owen Owen Wilson Wilson, or the the other one, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, Owen Wilson. I always forget which one's which. Exactly. Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Batman Begins, mm-hmm. Madagascar, mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and Will Smith Hitch. So you're like, yeah. that's quite a like, a, like, there's not, there's only one superhero movie in that list compared to what we see yes. today. So that's really weird. So seeing that list, and it's a lot of family orientated entertainment, what we don't really get anymore. It's yeah. either action or superhero movies. As comparison, the two two movies that sandwiched this release of The Son of the Mask was The Wedding Date with Deborah Messing, what was quite big. Because oh, I like that film. Well, it's just after Will and Grace, isn't it? It was during Will and Grace. After Will and Grace. 2005. Toward, it would have been towards the end. I can't remember the exact dates for Will and Grace, but it would have yeah. been either just after or towards the end. And Hitch came out on February the 11th. So if people were looking for that kind mm. of romantic <laughs> very music, romantic. Valentine's well, date night movie. Well, yeah, but it's slightly better than some of the masks. They were trying to shift that. As yes, like a, no, that's you know, yes. Can you imagine going on a first date to the movies? Oh, Ooh, are we going to go and see the wedding date? Are we going to go and see Hitch? Oh, we're watching Son of the Mask. How very romantic. No. But to be fair, mid-Feb in the UK is not a bad time to release a kids' film because the kids are on break from school. I don't know what happens in yeah, America. They're not. But the kids but, are on a break from school for the middle week of February. Well, back then, January, February was seen as the months to put a box or a film out that was going to bomb because the studios felt that they were catching up. People were catching up with their Christmas releases and doing Christmassy stuff. People were slightly broke mm-hmm. from Christmas. You know, you've got that long month between December and the end of January. You get paid mid-December. Yes, yeah. wait to the end of January. Oh, yeah. People haven't it. got the access cash to be going to the movies. And also, it's award ceremony season. So people are catching up on all the... Back then, people would be so into the yeah, Oscars yeah, and yeah, the yeah, Golden yeah, yeah, Globes yeah. that people wanted to catch up on their movies. And by that yes. point... And you don't want to release an Oscar contender in February because it, it won't be included until the following year and then people are starting yeah. to forget it. And a lot of those contenders... Well, this ain't an Oscar contender, that's for no. sure. Well, I don't know, special effects it could do. Maybe. Special effects? Maybe. Mm, yeah, but the baby... Mm. The baby. The problem mm. with the baby is it looks... It's that really creepy part of bad CGI and good CGI and you're just staring at it going, 
it's disturbing CGI. That it's middle... too, yeah, it's too realistic. Yes. Without being real. Yeah. It's just yeah. sl- slightly nuts. But yeah, also... and 2005 was a bit of a funny period for CGI because CGI thought it was really, really good in 2005. But... And here we are in 2022 going, no, love, you really weren't there. Weren't so good. But just as a comparison, comic book movies weren't very popular then either. Don't forget, this is the first year back of Batman Begins. That's the first Batman film back since Batman and Robin. Yes. And this is also, we've by previous year before this, we had Daredevil for Marvel. And Electra came came out in January that year. So like four weeks, a couple of weeks before this film came out. Oh, wow. So comic book movies weren't at their prime we didn't have the marvel cinematic universe we didn't have christopher nolan reinventing comic book movies. it was still kind of like painted from the 90s kind of movies mid late Mm. 90s it wasn't so much early 90 comic book movies like when batman first began and the mask was out and stuff we're talking late 90s when they kind of like lost their merry way and was kind of like having production issues and getting the material material on screen but claire do you have any behind the scenes stuff for us i do funnily enough so um in terms of returning players this ain't going to take long there is one actor who is in son of the mask who is also in the mask uh his name is ben stein and he plays dr newman who is the guy at the beginning of both movies who explains the mythology so he's he he it's an important role, but it's quite a small role in both movies. That's the only link. And obviously the mask, it's the same mask yeah. from the first movie mm-hmm. in this second movie. But apart from that, that's that's where the connection between these two movies kind of ends. Because actually the mythology of the mask, although it's mentioned in the first movie, it's very, very briefly. Yeah. And they don't explore the mask's backstory. Whereas quite a lot of the story in this movie is about... The fact that it is Loki's mask and Loki appears in the movie and that becomes quite an important part of the story. Whereas in the first movie, like that, it it was just a thing in the first movie. And then we've got a cast of new performers playing out the rest of the roles. We've got Jamie Kennedy playing Tim Avery. He's best known at that point for playing Randy in the Scream franchise. We've got Trailer Howards playing Tonya, his wife. She doesn't have very many credits on IMDb beyond this. And then as our kind of main two in terms of supporting cast, we've got Alan Cumming as Loki and we've got Bob Hoskins as Odin, who are both glorious, I have oh to say. Oh my God, that's in this a movie, movie I they want are the to watch. Two best things in this movie. This feels like a good time to uh, mention tenuous connection to the movie. And Michael's tenuous connection to the movie, actually, because you've got one this week as well. Um, we do share I? a tenuous connection. Oh, we do yes, we share yeah. a tenuous connection to Bob Hoskins. Bless I met Rose him a few out. times. Um, we, yeah, we both um, in our youth were friends with his lovely daughter, Rosa, and his son, Jack, who uh, both were involved at Chicken Shed Theatre, where I used to work about five million years ago. And he would come in and pick them up from rehearsals and shows and things. And I worked on the bar, so he'd come and have a little chat with me sometimes when he was waiting for them. And he was absolutely glorious. I adored him. And then I also have a tenuous connection to Alan Cumming from a different theatre I worked in, The Lyric in Hammersmith. He was in a fantastic production of The Back Eye by National Theatre of Scotland at The Lyric Hammersmith when I worked there. And he was also glorious. And they are both glorious 
in this movie. In terms of other supporting casts, we're going to give a little quick mention to Magda Sibansky, mm -hmm. who I don't think was very well known at the time of this movie being made, but she went on to play one of the kind of larger supporting roles in Kath and Kim. Yeah. Um, because this film was made in Australia. Yeah. That's you wouldn't know from watching it. No. It ain't set in Australia. No one sounds like they're in Australia, but it was filmed in Australia. And, so I and guess obviously if they filmed it in America, this budget would be even higher because if you've done it for a tax release to film over there. It must. Yeah. I mean, like, why else would you make an, a movie? But they've also got the Indian guy from Van Wilder in this movie. He plays a sub character. Calpan, yes. Yes. So yeah. did, they, did they take him? I think he's Canadian though, isn't he? Oh, I think you're right. He is Canadian. I apologise. Sorry, Canada. But um, yeah, anyway, this film was moved, was this movie was made in Australia. So there's probably quite a lot of supporting cast who are Australian, including Magda Sabansky, who yeah. plays Neighbour Betty. That is her actual character name as given on IMDb. They didn't even bother giving her a second name. She's the nosy neighbour. Yeah, about to say. The one who gets turned into the nose. nose. Because she's a nosy neighbour. They were so creative with that option. <laughs> hey, look, it tickled my kids. I, I'm sure it did. Especially when it sneezed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this film was directed by Lawrence Guterman, who also directed Cats and Dogs in 2001. The Mask had been directed by Chuck Russell, who oh, yeah. uh, his credits include Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah. Uh, he did Eraser in 1996. He did The Scorpion King in 2002. Um, but he did not do Son of the Mask. Shame. Well, he didn't do it because uh, because Jim Carrey didn't do it i think he was interested yeah. if it if jim carrey was going to star again but once jim carrey decided not to um he lost interest in directing yeah. so that's why we don't have him back and the writer i hope i'm going to say his name right i have tried to do some googling to find out a pronunciation and i've not been successful so i'm going to mm -hmm. take a punt and say his name is lance Kaze. Yeah. Um, if i'm wrong i apologize for that so he he wrote the movie he has no other particular movie writing credits and he isn't a massive fan of the finished product of this movie he hasn't kind of outright disowned it but initially it was written as a standalone movie mm -hmm. it wasn't written as a sequel to the mask he wrote a movie called baby formula okay. which was then tweaked and reworked and turned into something and he wasn't involved in that process how many sequels have we labeled on here what have been other movies and they've become these Frankenstein monsters of other franchises. And then they go, oh, we can make more money out of this if we bolt it onto a franchise that did really well. And then they make it and it turns out to be crap. Yeah. And then they they wonder why it didn't make as many millions of dollars as the first movie. So, but there, there had been plans for a sequel for quite a long time. This is another one of those sequels. And we've talked about this before. There are nine years yeah. between The Mask and Son of the Mask coming out. If you're going to yep. wait that long to make a sequel, it needs to be a bloody good sequel. Yeah. And I a agree. lot of the episodes we've covered have, have been movies where they've left it so long, even longer than this. I mean, some of them, it's been more like 20 years. They've left it so long and then they've turned out something that doesn't need to be. A, I mean, this would have worked as a standalone movie. Yes, no, I agree. It didn't need to be a sequel. So if you're going to make it a sequel, make it a seek like make there be a connection to the first movie there is no connection to the first movie other than that one guy that we mentioned yeah. who is in both movies and the fact that it's the same mask but it doesn't have to be i suppose the thing is if they're going to have a mask in it then it's going to 
people are going to say, oh, well, it's just a ripoff of the mask. Yeah. But I'm assuming the original treatment for baby formula didn't feature the mask. But years and years and years before we got to Son of the Mask, there were plans for the mask too. And um, you probably are aware of this, but I'm going to mention it for any listeners who might not be aware. Nintendo Power Magazine, remember that? They <laughs> did, um, they ran a competition and the prize, of, the first prize of the competition was going to be a walk-on role in The Mask 2. And obviously The Mask 2 never happened. And so in the last edition of Nintendo Power magazine, they had to issue a formal apology to the guy who won. His name was Nathan Ryan Runk, and he lives in Maryland. He was 12 at the time. And when he was 25... <laughs> And they so they had to they issued this apology to him and they basically said because the movie still hadn't been officially cancelled at this point, it just didn't happen. Yeah. So they got to a point where they said to him, Well, you can either hold out for the movie or you can have five thousand dollars and a bunch of movie swag. Yeah. And he was like, Yeah, it's twelve years old. I mean, you're twelve years old. If someone says, Do you want to hold out for a tiny part without any words in but a movie what... that might not happen? Or do you want five thousand dollars and a bunch of movie swag? Yeah, You'd take the money, wouldn't you? But the time the magazine closed down, he probably wasn't 12 anymore. Yeah, but still, $5,000. Yeah, but if he was 18 at the time the magazine closed down five years later, could you imagine to an 18-year-old, five grand? Oh, you'd have fun with five grand at the age of 18, wouldn't you? You wouldn't care about walk-on part of the, with the, in a shitty sequel, would you? You'd be like... No. You'd be no. like, you'd be like, oh, all that freaking cheap cider you can get for five grand. Yeah, he got £5,000. He got like a, a crew jacket, which apparently mm. that he lost, and a load of uh, N64 stuff. You'd be like, if you were a, any age of teenager yeah. and someone said to you, here's £5,000, $5,000 rather, and a bunch of N64 stuff, you'd be like, sweet. Yeah, you Thank might. you very much. I don't need to be in no movie. So he was not in no movie and he was perfectly happy with his £5,000 and N64 games. Yes. So as I said before, Chuck Russell, who directed The Mask, had mm. said on the 1996 Laserdisc commentary of The Mask, he was interested in doing a sequel. And he wanted he wanted Jim Carrey to come back. And he wanted Amy Yazbek, who played Peggy, the reporter in the first movie. He, she was going to come back as well. Because actually yeah. in the first movie, she had been killed. There was a, She had a death scene, which they cut from the movie so that they could bring her back mm. for the sequel. That didn't happen. But anyway, yeah. Jim Carrey was offered $10 million to be in The Mask 2. But having just come off the back of Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, he wasn't interested in doing another sequel and reprising another character that he had yeah. played before. So he he declined and so Chuck Russell dropped out and the whole concept of the movie had to change. Obviously, we now know that Jim Carrey changed his position on reprising roles he played before because he's gone on to play other roles multiple times but at that point off, off the back of Ace Ventura he didn't want to do The Mask 2 and I think that's the reason because he wasn't in Dumb and Dumber either was he? No that was a straight to I think that was a straight to DVD release and then he came back and did Dumb and Dumber And then he came 2. back and did Dumb and Dumber 2 But that's when he came out of retirement because he went off after making all these kind of like I like to call them bubblegum comedies like they're really kind mm. of like and then he went off after Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber and The Mask and he went off and started doing these serious movies, didn't he? Like, he did that film with Joel Schumacher. And Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and the Truman Show, stuff that I like and the man, And The Man on the Moon. Oh, The Man on the Moon. Yeah, so he went off and made all those serious movies. So I don't know if he's, that would have something to do with his decision to make, but now he's making Sonic movies. 
Though he said mm. after Sonic 2 he, that he's gone to retirement again, but I think he'll probably again. I think that he'll be back in Sonic 3 because they'll pay him loads of money because he's the selling point. Of I it. would think so. Moving on to Son of the Mask. Now yes. that they've lost the any hope of creating the the Mask 2 with Jim Carrey and and with Chuck Russell. Yeah. They've reworked this uh baby formula. They've got Son of the Mask. Apparently Jack Black and Ryan Reynolds were both approached and turned down the role of Tim. Jamie Kennedy was really unsure of whether to take it or not. I think he was I think he was at a very crossroadsy point of his career because he was yeah. kind of riding high off the back of Scream and people knew who he was. So I think he was a bit like, this is this going to be a make or break movie for me? I think it helped that they offered him a buttload of money, not like Jim Carrey levels of money, but he was once asked why he agreed to do the film and he said, I'll give you 2.5 million reasons, which kind of gives us an idea of what his salary was for the movie. On his, on his YouTube channel, he's got a series of videos Called the untold story of the son of the monster. Yeah, the I tried of... to watch them. I I found it hard work and I watched, watched some, them. but I didn't watch all of them. And uh, I watched all of them. And then he basically in the origin originally they asked they gave him a million, and then he turned it down because it conflicted with his TV show at the time. It was the Jamie Kennedy experience. Oh yes, I did see that bit of it. Yeah. And, and then so then they, they came back and doubled the offer. Doubled the offer for him to come back, but still two. Yes, because then he said, "Oh, it's it." He was then offered double the biggest offer he'd ever been given for a job because the million was yeah. the most he'd ever been offered. Yeah. So and he yeah, never I mean, worked again after the song of the mask. I hope he's still I mean, got that it's, two it's and a half million. It seemed like a, you know two and a half million seems like quite a good quite a good offer. And actually, he he while he was humming and hawing over whether to be in the movie, he met Jim Carrey at the Teen, Teen Choice Awards and had a chat with him about it and. Jim Carrey said that he should take the role, have some fun with it. And so he was like, okay, maybe I, maybe I should. Some of his friends were telling him he should do it. Some were telling him he shouldn't. In the end, his agent said that he should do the movie because it would be a huge success. It would give him opportunities to move on and, you know, it would cement his name. Um, and obviously it would expose him to a different audience to the people that saw him in Scream, for example. So on that basis, he took the role. And of course, it wasn't a huge success. And it didn't give him any opportunities for more roles. Yeah, I'm sorry, no. Jamie Kennedy. You went in with good intentions. Um, but it it didn't pay or bless him. And clearly he he had reservations and maybe he should have listened to them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But he was again, he was lured in on the promise of more sequels, which of course didn't happen because this bombed so hard. But you know, if you're being offered two and a half million dollars and a franchise, effectively, um franchise off probably... at the time one of the biggest comic book movies ever made. It wasn't kind of like yeah. a flash in the pan or a sub it was iconically famous and you know, people adored the first movie. It made Jim Carrey a star. So why couldn't the sequel sure. make Jamie Kennedy a star? You know, that was one of the first well, things Jim Carrey released. Because it wasn't so focused on his character as... I mean, the, the thing with The Mask is that Jim Carrey is the star of that movie. There is no one else in that movie. There's no. Cameron Diaz. Her but first movie as well. Well, it's not beyond Jim Carrey's the research... first movies. If Jim no. Carrey... He did a few movies and he was on Saturday Night Live. But that was his big... But this was the one that kind road. of really made his name. But if you ask the average person on the street who is in the mask, they would tell you Jim Carrey yeah. and Cameron Diaz. Yes. And that's it. I mean, to be fair, if you ask the average person who's in Son of the Mask, they would probably say, oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. What is but... the Son of the Mask? What is the Son of the Mask? Is that a film? But it is, it's more of an ensemble piece because yeah. we've got 
more people there are more not principal cast but there are other people in it we've got Alan Cumming who at that point was a name we've got Bob Hoskins who at that point was a name yeah so it's not like in Jim in in the mask Jim Carrey was the only star at that point Jamie Kennedy actually had wanted to play Loki he wasn't sure that he could play the straight man in this movie but obviously he was put into that role of Tim and they brought in Alan Cumming to play Loki. I think Alan Cumming is fantastic. Michael J. Fox was considered to play Loki. Oh, what do you think? You're pulling the no. same face that I am. Now, no. look, I love Michael J. Fox. I'm a huge I think fan. he's a brilliant actor. I don't think I've ever seen him play a bad guy. I don't know if he has ever played a bad guy. Yeah, because... I don't think it would work. It would not have worked. No. But then you'd be like, no, I don't. you had more Michael J. Fox time and you'd, you'd be begrudged every time they put Jamie Kennedy back on the screen. The reason why having Alan Cummings... At the time, though he was very big in the UK, wasn't really big outside of the UK. So you, the Brit- American audience wouldn't have been bothered who this guy was. He was great in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not a household yeah. name like Michael J. Fox would have been. For sure. For sure. Um, I mean, in 2005, Alan Cumming was certainly recognisable. I don't know whether yeah. people would have known his name, but he'd already done X-Men. He'd already done Goldeneye. I'm trying but to look think how when Alan Cumming screwed up. X-Men by having an yeah. ego, ego of his own, you know. Yeah, but I love him in this movie. He's great in this movie. Um, and according fantastic. to him, um, apparently the work, there were a couple of working titles for this movie which were Attack of the Mask and Curse of the Mask, which, Jeez. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like Son of the Mask because it's a more friendly title. And it's yeah, a, this is a family, this is the thing. This is a family movie. Yeah. The first film was a teenage boy movie. This is a family movie. It's a very different yeah. audience. Like you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's one of the problems. Yeah. Is that they the the fans of the first movie have got old. I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they completely misjudged it and thought, well, the fans of the first movie, maybe they've got kids now, so let's make it a kids' movie. Yeah, but also you've got to realise that the people that like the mask, the people that read the comics about Big Head, the first film is nothing like the comics, and they were pissed Oh, yeah, about no, that. no, no. They're not going to... This movie is going to be absolutely useless to fans of the original source material, because... So, why would they This go... bears no resemblance to the mask, and the mask movie bears no resemblance at all to the comic books. But that's the whole thing. If you're going to... I understand how the mask wants to take a side step away from its fan base, because it is trying to gather a larger audience because the mask was even produced by a large comic book brand. It was produced by the Dark Dark Horse, what's very a small brand of comics, not like Marvel or DC. So mm. to have the first film take a sidestep, I kind of understand because you need to get the bums on seats in the theatre. But the sequel is a chance to get the original fans and the fans of the movie in the middle ground to find their happy place. Yeah. And they just thought, oh, no, we'll just go step a further away from the source Yeah, yeah, yeah. Material. I mean, they could, yes. They could have taken the sequel as an opportunity to move closer to the source material and bridge yeah. the gap a little bit, make it a bit darker, because those teen fans of the original movie would have been in their mid-20s by now and yep. ready to watch something a little bit darker and a bit grittier. But, yeah, no, they decided to go the other way and make it a completely family-friendly movie, which, for me, works fine, because I have two small children. This is the thing, when you said you were going to show your kids to me, I was very confused yeah. because it was a bit kind of like the mask wearing the mask. And then he comes back and he like jumps in bed with his wife and suddenly he's got a magical baby. Like, did your kids not mm. ask going how the baby got magical powers? Did they not care? No. They no. just didn't care. 
Because I'm a bit like, there's obviously sex involved in that scene, and a child would be like, well, why? Yes. And there was supposed to. And I was just also disappointed talking about the sex scene is they went to the effort of CGIing a bumblebee with a little green face on for Loki when he's flying through the hospital. Where was mm. my little green face CGI sperm? That's what I want to know. I wanted these little. This sperm. is not look who's talking. <laughs> That's right. We oh, don't my... need to see that. We do. We no, need no, to no. see little mask, little mask sperm with Jamie Kennedy's little mask face on going. Through all the... No, 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 no. <laughs> we don't need to see that. Uh, no, because then there would have been questions. My, I would have had to explain that to my kids. But I, yeah, no, they didn't ask anything about they it. They didn't ask how they, the baby they... got his powers. They didn't ask how the baby got his powers. It's a very short. Well, the 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 sex is very much implied. Obviously, as adults watching it, we know exactly what's going on because yep. and there's the whole innuendo of oh, what's got into you? Well, let's see. And it's, you know, the rest of us are thinking, well, what's got into you? Yeah. But they don't say that because that would be massively inappropriate in a kid's film. Film. No, my kids don't didn't they didn't pick up on it they didn't ask i'm not volunteering information like i if they ask me a question i will answer it but i'm not going to prompt yeah. them to find things out um there is no need at all for that they just take it at face value the baby has powers it's fine they didn't they didn't clock that everyone else who had powers had powers because of the mask okay. and the baby didn't um but again i'm not going to draw lines between dots if they're not interested in that that's yeah. that's fine for me no, I get it. that's just I get if it, it goes over their head and then we're all happy yeah they bloody loved it though they really enjoyed it so my kids are seven and four but now they're now they're probably, tainty they're gonna go to school and they're gonna drop to one of their teachers one day oh yeah i prefer the son of the mask than the mask it's the first one they've seen it will be they'll be cast out people from movie they'll join movie club <laughs> in secondary school and i like the fun of the mask but we the mask. don't have movie club in secondary school but you know okay. i guess that they are the perfect age for this sort of movie yeah because a lot of it is very cartoony so my my older one the seven-year-old sat and watched basically the whole movie and really enjoyed yeah. it the little one sat and watched most of it towards the end when it was actually getting a bit plotty she was a bit in and out but she really enjoyed watching the the animated stuff the slapstick kind of animated comedy particularly the scenes between the dog and the baby all the creepy baby stuff the kids loved because i guess they're not old enough to find stuff like that creepy yeah um the bit where the baby was peeing all over the dad and in all the different directions humor humor. yeah that toilet yes Anything that's about, I asked my son afterwards, what was his favourite bit of the movie? And he said, oh, it was when they were, when Loki and the dad were fighting and he farted in his face. That's my (laughs) seven-year-old's review of this movie. That's his favourite bit. I was like, I've seen this movie twice and I don't remember them being a fart in his face, but that's clearly a treasured memory now for my seven-year-old son. But yeah, they love that kind of stuff. And it's, it's silly enough that you don't, need to be following the plot although there is a plot in this movie you don't need to be following it so it's easy enough for the little ones to kind of dip in and out of she doesn't have to focus on a whole hour and a half of movie so in that respect for me as a parent it's quite a good movie because I don't mind watching it I know like I haven't actually broken this to you listeners I have warned Michael of this I quite like this movie it it doesn't upset me at all and I don't like the mask um I've talked before about how I feel about Jim Carrey being apparently hilarious the whole 
rubber face, hilarious shtick thing that he does does nothing for me. And because of that, the mask does nothing for me because that's all it is. It's just an hour and a half of Jim Carrey being hilarious. Glorious. He's glorious. Exactly the sort of buffoonery that Tommy Lee Jones cannot sanction. And I agree with him. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to our Batman Forever episode. But that means that the mask does nothing for me because that's basically all the mask has got going for it. Um, This movie doesn't have that. And so I quite like it. Um, It's more family friendly than the mask. It's much more um, approachable for the kids. And for that, I can enjoy it more. What about what about you? How where do you stand on this movie? So this was not the first time I watched it. I (laughs) saw it when it roughly came out, not in the movie theatre, but when it was on home release. I'm a huge Marge fan. I love Jim Carrey. I think Jim Carrey's great in the things he does. I love him as Riddler. I like him in Nathan Ventura. I like him in Dumber and Dumber. If he's got Jim Carrey on it, I like him as Eggman and Sonic. If he's got Jim Carrey on it, I'm there watching it. I really like his buffoonery, as Claire says. I cannot I, sanction this buffoonery. I, I I I really enjoy him. And that for me, this film is what was missing. This film is so far I need to get a bit passionate with this, but this film is so so over fucking stuffed. It's like it's swimming <laughs> with ideas and it's just so overstuffed. And there's two movies in here and one movie and I think this would work better as two movies. I think if they had a movie without the Jamie Kennedy baby storyline and linking the two movies, they had the Loki movie looking from the mask mm-hmm. after reports of the first movie and then linking it over to this. I just wanted to watch more Bob Hoskins and Alan Cummings. I really just, they were fantastic. They worked well together. Their relationship was mm-hmm. great. I really wanted that storyline. I really fell for that storyline. And every time Jane, Jamie Kennedy came on screen, I was like, fuck off. I just want to go back to Alan see what Alan Cummings' character's doing. I want to see what his Loki's doing. Yeah. I didn't really care about the baby and the dog. And I felt like I'd seen that all before in Roger Rabbit and, you know, the whole cartoonish yeah. aspect of it and stuff. I've seen it all before. And, oh, my God, Jamie Kennedy is no replacement from Jim Carrey. And I really missed him in this movie. Like, and yeah. I, like don't get me wrong. I think the Rotten Tomato scores of this film are criminal. And I think they're mm. very unfair, but the people who are reviewing it are comparing it to the first mask. And what you need to do yes. is just watch this as a separate entity. As a separate yes. entity, it's not a perfect movie, but it's a better movie than what we're led to expect it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's interesting because you dislike it for all the reasons that I like it. Yeah. Can we just discuss... The fact of mm. Jamie Kennedy is trying to push out uh, Jamie Kennedy cut of this because apparently there's supposed to be another 30 minutes of this movie. Apparently, according to Jamie Kennedy on his YouTube channel, there's a version of this that's a slow burn. There's the first part that's like a romantic comedy and then the baby comes and the Loki and Bob Hoskins, the Loki and Odin character is played out and stuff. So it's... And I'm just like, does this could this movie need so basically half an the hour? two movies that you just said should be, but still as one movie? Yeah, essentially. No, yeah. we don't need that. No, sure. Like I like this movie, and I don't need another half hour of it. So I think the thing that works about this movie is that it's far. I don't think it needs a slow burn. It's fast paced. That's the style of the movie. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and it is that kind of cartoony. Those sorts of, of movies are fast paced. I think as soon as you slow it down, it gives people time to realise it might not be that good. But was there anything in this film that you don't like? Because you've mentioned quite a lot what you really like or you feel like it, yes. it hasn't been fairly I mean, the, judged on. The, I mean, the thing that I... The CGI, which we have talked about, the the CGI effects on the baby, it's just weird. Babies and toddlers shouldn't... Their faces shouldn't move in those ways because yeah. presumably you're doing CGI mapping Mm-hmm. But that's based on the movement of an adult face, yeah. which is different from a child's face. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's weird. I think anyone who watches this movie is going to feel like the CGI on the baby is weird. Yeah. Um, apart from that, there isn't much. Did you like Jamie Kennedy? That I in would. It? I just can't spare. I don't him like in Jamie it. Kennedy in it. Oh, I can't. No, bear him I in thought it. he he did he did the job. He did what was asked of him. But he's um, better than. This. It's not. He's a he's quite a com- like like him and Scream yes. is fantastic. Yeah, he, I'm sure he's he is best better than, this. than this. It's not a brilliant role. No, it is far from the best role in the movie. Um, and I find it weird because the 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 poster and the cover for the DVD and the Blu-rays and what have you that everything is him. Yeah, in his mask incarnation, which we only see twice in this movie. I was expecting him to feature more heavily yeah. in the movie, whereas he is just a foil for the baby. Yeah, the, He's the baby just there the to get kicked yeah. in the nuts and pissed on and have anvils dropped on his head. And mm. he, you know, he's the wily coyote, I suppose, of this movie. It's a two-dimensional character. He's a yeah. typical kind of man-child. And I, the one thing I really don't like, and this is a general thing, not specific to this movie, I just, I, the whole like men be shit with babies trope, yeah pisses me off i know some men are shit with babies but men are going to continue to be shit with babies for as long as we produce media that validates them being shit with babies yeah this i without wishing to kind of put too heavy a feminist viewing on son of the mask because it, i don't think it needs kind of that heavy a, a take on it but you know if, i think the more movies and tv and any kind of media go along with the whole thing of oh well if you're gonna leave the baby with dad what do you expect to happen it's shit and I, men are better than that and I so just, that pissed me off i just don't like i don't i didn't like the wife i didn't like him i just thought they were both two humans that were completely selfish so claire how many yes Fountain pissing babies, would you give the thumb of the mask? <laughs> Jesus, I've been on the receiving end of so many fountain pissing babies in my life. <laughs> Here's a top tip. If you have a son, put a, a nappy and put the clean nappy underneath before you open up the, the dirty nappy and you take the dirty nappy away and then quickly just push the nappy over the top and hold it before you then open it up and deal with anything that needs dealing with. Because... As soon as that little thing hits the cold air, it's going to go off like a sprinkler in your face. So how many surprise pissing babies would I give this movie out of five? Well, so as a sequel, this is crap because it has so little connection to the original movie. So as a sequel of the original, I would not score it highly. But as a movie in its own right. Just give um, me, just 
tell me what you think. Stop trying to make yourself you feel cannot... better. Just say, how many fountain babies do you think this film is? Forget it's a sequel. Forget whatever it is linked to. You like this more than the original? I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. It's not a great movie. No. But it's I not a that... terrible movie. That's and it's not thought. a middling. I'm not, I'm not sitting on the fence. I have an opinion on this movie. I like it. And my kids were pissing themselves laughing at it this afternoon. So why would I score that badly if it gives my kids that much enjoyment? Yeah. And I don't mind watching it. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, that makes it a good movie. Right. Three and a half out of five, which I know is like way, way, way from every other review. Um, I'm sure that... there was a review. Did you come across the New York Post review when you were doing your no what research for this movie? So the New York Post review, Lou Limerick did the review in the New York Post. He gave this a zero star rating and he said, and I'm going to quote now, parents who let their kids see this stinker should be brought up on abuse charges. So should the movie <laughs> ratings board that let this suggestive mess slip by with a PG rating. So yeah, as far as uh, the New York Post is concerned, I'm a neglectful parent because I let my kids watch this movie. I let them enjoy it. And they had a great time. Do you want me to so, ring Childline now? I'm going to ring Childline now on behalf of your children. What's your score? How many pissing babies are you going to give this out of five? I would give the son of the Mars one star for Alan Cummings. And okay. one star okay, for Okay, you're Bob building Hoskins. up. Okay, that's fine. And one star for Bob Hoskins. The rest can stay in the trash bag. So just the two? Just the two. And I think I'm being okay. generous. I think I'm being generous compared to... I think that's results. quite reasonable. That's still like, what's that? Five, 30, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes? 40%, 30% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, 40% yeah. compared to the 60% critics. I think that's audience. unfair, but I don't think it's... Even IMDb, 2.2 out of 10. So that's yeah. equivalent to one out of five. Because everybody's watching it in the aspect of as a sequel to The Mask. Don't watch it as a sequel mm. to The Mask because it's not. It's not intention to be a sequel to The Mask. It is literally its own entity. But because there's nothing in between and we never really got that sequel we were all hungered for for the original film or the people that liked the original yeah. film, this is what they offered you as an alternative and I think that's why it's so badly received. It's not an awful movie. We've watched far worse on here. For but sure. it's not a good movie. I don't like Jamie Kennedy in it. I feel sorry for Jamie Kennedy in it because I know he's better than what he is in this movie. And it's mm. more like, and I feel sorry that this kind of like ruined his career because he... Yes. Was, you know, yeah, I think I think that's really harsh, actually, because I don't think he did anything in this movie to deserve... No. ...basically bombing out of Hollywood off the back of it. No, agreed. Agreed. So... That's Son of the Mask for you. Listeners, tell us what you thought of the movie. You can leave us a comment. You can email us on unlovesequels at gmail.com and you can find us on all the socials at unlovesequels. So until next time, it's goodbye from me, Michael. And from me, Claire. Take care, guys. Bye. Thanks for dropping by. Dropping? Bye. Oh, <laughs> my